0: All right, in our third and final segment, we sometimes like to do obituaries, but you know what? We're not going to do that on a show that airs on Christmas Day. We're going to develop, I think, uh, a, uh, an hour for our internet version of this program that will look back at 2014 and some of the notable lives that have passed from the scene. We certainly want to talk about Ben Bradley. We want to talk about Mike Nichols. Of it's interesting to look at the list of obituaries in the World Almanac Book of Facts, A lot of folks we talked about in the course of the year, people like Nelson Mandela, people like Gabriel Garcia Marquez, people like Peter O'Toole, people like Joan Rivers, Pete Seeger, Mickey Rooney, and Radio Parallax guest Eli Wallach. But we certainly did miss a few and we will try and um, address that in a special program to be heard on, on the web version of this show. Although, frankly, I can't resist doing just one obituary on today's program, noting the passing of psychologist Nathaniel Brandon. Mr. Brandon, or was it Dr. Brandon, I'm not sure, was a young devotee of Ayn Rand. I remember so well when a friend of mine from high school who became himself a devotee of Ayn Rand drove down to Los Angeles to have a chat with Mr. Brandon I gather he was something of a character, although I'm not sure much came of the meeting that my buddy had with him. But I just want to quote from a a little excerpt or two of his obituary from the current issue of the week. In 1954, Ayn Rand and her devoted disciple, Nathaniel Brandon, summoned their respective spouses to a meeting. The author of The Fountainhead who at 49 was 25 years older than Brandon, explained that she was having an affair with her young acolyte and wouldn't be ending it anytime soon. Rand persuaded the astonished spouses to accept this arrangement using the radical principles of rational selfness that she espoused in her writing. Said Rand, We don't hold our values in some other realm unrelated to this realm in which we live our lives. If we mean the values we profess, how can we not be in love? And no, it doesn't make any sense to us either. Anyway, Brandon hooked up with Ayn Rand when he was a 19-year-old reader of her books. He came out to meet her, and well, one thing led to another, I guess. After the libertarian icon invited him as a 19-year-old psychology major, the pair became philosophical soulmates and unlikely lovers. Apparently, by 1958, he founded the Nathaniel Brandon Institute to to promulgate Rand's philosophy of objectivism. He spread her belief in rational selfness and unlimited capitalism in lectures, recordings, books, and magazine articles, while lashing out at anyone who questioned the Randian dogma. However, notes the week, in 1968, when Rand discovered that Brandon had been sleeping with a glamorous young fashion model, their relationship exploded. Screamed Rand, I made that pipsqueak and I'll destroy him. We probably should have made that our quote of the day. Anyway, Ayn Rand then publicly denounced Brandon for, quote, moral failures, unquote. Which I guess in this case meant failing to continue his illicit relationship with Ms. Rand, in spite of the both of them having spouses. And at that point, she effectively kicked him out of his own institute. Oh, what tangled webs we weave, eh? Anyway, in the last few minutes we have on today's program, I want to talk about some science issues because those always cheer me up and are usually pretty cool. Although I do want to quote a brief letter to New Scientist magazine in the wake of their piece they had on e-cigarettes. They apparently were exploring this idea that, well, maybe they're less addicting. Brian Smith wrote the magazine to say, It's easy to find out if e-cigarettes help you quit or get you hooked. November 1st, page 53. Just ask the tobacco companies if they are for them or against them. And I think that pretty much says it all. And also from the same magazine, there's this item from their uh, news brief section at the back. They noted that subscribers to the British Film Institute's Sight and Sound magazine were told that, quote, we are unable to make the printed index a continued resource, unquote, but it will be available to download. If you do not have access to a, a computer, the BFI continues helpfully, then please contact us and we can arrange for a printed copy to be posted to you. The magazine asks, and how would you make contact if you lack access to a computer? Well, you mail <laughs> sns at UK, of course. Now, we talked in this program before about how there's some debate about what the Chinese are up to in inner Mongolia planting a bunch of trees. There were some who say that this is uh, not accomplishing uh, all that it's meant to. And apparently the jury is still out on this, in spite of another piece in New Scientist titled Wall of Trees Keeps Deserts at Bay in China. They acknowledge that the Great Green Wall, which is this massive belt of trees being planted across China's arid north, which might be called the largest ecological engineering project on the planet, well, at least according to one study, seems to be working. There is some evidence there have been fewer dust storms across China, although some people in the West are really um, quite skeptical that this is working out as well as the Chinese claim. Apparently, some people are claiming the Chinese ought to be planting more grass up in that part of the world rather than trees, and we don't know enough about it. If you know something about this, It's another matter where you should drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. I'm sure some people here in uh, Davis and Chico in Northern California have some insights into this. Share them with us, please. And from the Reinventing the Wheel file, we have this piece from the Santa Cruz Sentinel noting that beavers could help the state of California fight the effects of drought. An article by Samantha Clark from the Santa Cruz Sentinel notes that After three punishing years of drought, which have parched California's streams, rivers, and wetlands, one animal arises as having the potential to restore these dry landscapes. With their industrial-strength buck teeth and flat tails, beaver and their dams offer a defense against drought. The rodents are known as ecosystem engineers, and they once populated most of California until fur traders nearly wiped them out in the 19th century, which really makes me sad. He quotes Rick Landman of the Institute for Historical Ecology in Los Altos as saying that this state has lost more of its wetlands than all other states and beavers can rebuild those wetlands. Turns out the dams that they build raise water tables, which nourishes shrubbery alongside streams that stabilize eroding banks. It adds habitat for birds and deer and also it helps some of the endangered California frogs. There's nothing surprising about this. I'm I'm glad, though, that people are talking about it and maybe getting beaver out in the wild where I'm sure they were a century ago. I would imagine in the, that in the coastal ranges of California, having more beaver and more beaver dams and more beaver ponds and things would be a very good deal. I want to note as an addendum that right here, a few miles from my house, not far from the American River in Sacramento, there used to be a whole family of beaver out in this uh this pond, which I used to swim in. and Although I probably shouldn't tell this tale because it was a bit of lunacy. There was, at one point, many years ago, when I noticed this large beaver lodge, huge pile of sticks, and recalling those Walt Disney movies where they, the camera would go up inside the beaver lodge, I thought, oh, what the hell, I can do that. So I put my head down, swam into this tunnel, and emerged up inside the beaver lodge that moment in time, Mama Beaver showed up, and boy, did she look surprised. It then occurred to me that this very large rodent, weighing in something like 40 pounds, does in fact have chisel-like teeth that fell substantial trees. And well, let's just say at this moment in time, I was thinking better of the whole project. Fortunately, Mrs. Beaver elected not to get aggressive with uh, this human interloper, and I was able to back out the way I came without incident. And, uh, you know, I'm actually glad I did it, but I would counsel you, dear listener, please do not try this at home. This may be a good time to mention that opinions related to whether you should or should not climb into a beaver lodge do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the Regents of the University of California. All right, something else we need to look at in 2015 is this idea we've been saving from a uh, a July 20th article in the Sacramento Bee about how the state of California is aiming to preserve farms with a system of cap and trade cash aimed at limiting sprawl. The Bee noted last July that in signing this year's budget, Governor Brown dedicated $800 million from California's burgeoning cap and trade program to affordable housing and mass transit, including his embattled high-speed rail project. But also, tucked into the legislation, our directions to set aside agricultural land on the periphery of cities. It's meant to shield farmland from urban development, allocating a new source of money for this decades-old concept. We, we wish this well and need to look into it more. All right, I got two things left in front of me. Uh, legislature should le- address antibiotics and comet water not like Earth. We'll save the antibiotics and talk about comet water. No, I know. That sounds like the punchline to a joke. Comet water. I I thought you said But seriously, folks, it turns out that the Rosetta spacecraft, which has been analyzing the water which is coming off comet 67P, has noted that its composition is not like that on Earth's water. There's much more heavy water in the comet which consists of deuterium uh, atoms of hydrogen being attached to the oxygen. Deuterium, of course, having a neutron, making it just a little bit heavier than normal water. Well, they're making a big deal that it appears that our water on Earth must not must not have come from comets because we don't have a good fingerprint match between this comet and Earth's water. Well, that's premature, folks. we got to sample a few more comets before we can decide you know, what the true composition of comets is. This is the first one we've uh, gotten close to like this to make this precise measurement. I think that's a a premature headline. Well, I did get a laugh out of uh, the TV special back in 1994 when comet Shoemaker-Levy crashed into Jupiter, and they were talking about it with the Shoemakers and uh, Mr. Levy, and at one point he stopped and said, excuse me a minute, I have to have a drink of comet. So, did Earth's water come from comets? We say the jury is still out. Something the jury is also still out on, I think it's something we'll close the show with. We were somewhat surprised when noodling around one of our favorite comedy sites on the web, that of JewOrNotJew.com. We noted that, much to our surprise, the website, which is written by a couple of pretty funny guys, uh, rated Sylvester Stallone, yes, movie actor Sylvester Stallone, as being Jewish. So we asked ourselves, What better way to get to the bottom of this than to invite back to Radio Parallax our pal, actor Sylvester Stallone.
1: Shalom, Doug. Uh, This is a real pain and it took us. Sorry? And what's with these shlemels?
0: Well, these shlemels say that your grandmother Rabinovich was Jewish, so that makes you Jewish through your
1: mom. I don't recall Grandma going to no temple, but we had one right down the block. Temple Ben Davis, or Benny Davis. Ben David? It could be. I don't know. I don't recall anybody ever wearing a
0: yarmulke. So, you're rejecting this whole notion of a Jewish ancestry.
1: Great idea, I'd say, but the research is schlock, Doug. By the way, you know, I'm noshing with Barry Diller right now, which brings up a point. I don't know if you know this, but in this town, a whole lot of movers and shakers have a Hebrew heritage.
0: Well, uh, so we understand, yeah.
1: So why would I hide being a member of the tribe, Doug? Protect your image, maybe? Uh, you're not saying I couldn't be a tough guy if I was a Jew, right? You're not saying that.
0: No, we're, we're, no, we're not saying that.
1: Because I'd hate to have to point out how tough the Mossad is. Yeah, well, so would we. Or point out how Kirk Douglas and Charles Heston were tough Jewish leading men.
0: Well, uh, actually, Sly Heston was not Jewish. No? No, but Harrison Ford is.
1: He is? Well, that, that's what the website says. Uh, Barry's calling here. Even if Harrison doesn't, uh, you know, look it. I'm glad he got better from busting his leg on the set of Star Wars. You know, I saw him in May. <laughs> he told me what he was doing. I said, hey, break a leg. And then he did. You know, I felt bad.
0: Well, I, I'm sure he took it in the spirit offered.
1: It did. I love to let my grandma get me in the club. But, hey, I'm the Italian Stallion, not the usual light dynamite. Well, you could be both. What hurts but that be? Yeah, well, I guess so. <laughs> Let those ghanas on the website tibbets on this, Doug. Some of my best friends are Jewish, but Stallones aren't going to turn up smoothly at the Kabbalah Center, you know?
0: Not like Madonna flirting, flirting with Judaists. <laughs> no way. Let alone converting, say, like Sammy Davis Jr.
1: Well, Sammy Davis converted? Maybe you should check out this website. Hey, Barry just gave me a great quote about Sammy. Let's hear it. Barry's mom told him she gave Sammy a lot of credit she herself did not think she would have the nerve to go out and become a colored person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think his mom stole it from Dan Greenberg's How to Be a Jewish Mother. Wouldn't you? I think we already have. Well, there you go. Anyway, the the website sticks with you being Jewish. They do categorize you as, quote, barely a Jew, unquote.
1: Barely a Jew. It makes me meshing it, Doug. They keep this up by my (laughs) plot. Are you okay? If these schmoes need to clutch about something, I might give them something.
0: Well, all right. Sylvester so, Stallone, we appreciate you taking the time to, to talk about this.
1: Well, Barry wants to know if he's on the site, Doug. Well, he is. And? Well, they say he's Jewish. What's that, Barry? Well, well Barry says it isn't true. He does? Hey, don't be a schmendrick, Doug. I'm pulling a chain. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but Barry says he wishes you a happy Hanukkah, Doug.
0: Well, actually, I have to admit, I, I, I myself am a fallen Catholic.
1: Oh, they! I never knew. I just assumed, you know.
0: Well, that makes no difference, right?
1: Nah. Anyway, if you go back to Adam, we're all Jewish, right?
0: Well, Abraham is considered the father of the Jewish nation, if, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Whatever. Look, let's just say we're a couple of guys who went to communion.
0: Hey, that reminds me of Bill Maher's joke about being a Jew raised as a Catholic. He said, I went to the confessional and said, Bless me, Father, and I believe you know my lawyer, Mr. Cohn. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey, that's good. I may use that.
0: Well, I'm, I'm sure Bill Maher won't mind.
1: Okay, well, anyway, Merry Christmas, Doug. Happy Hanukkah. And while we're at it, a cool Kwanzaa to all you listeners.
0: Okay, well, same to you, sir.
1: All right, mazel tov. Are you sure you're not Jewish? No, Doug, I'm a goy. Don't forget, Doug, expendable sleep makes a great Christmas present.
0: Okay, well, good enough. Thanks for talking to
1: us. All right, I'll be touchy.
0: All right, our thanks to movie actor Sylvester Stallone, as well as senior editor for the World Almanac, Sarah Jansen. On next week's show, we plan to speak with our pal, Donna Abadoni, KDBS's own Neil Rudd, and hopefully Matt Kaplan, the host of Planetary Radio part of your public affairs lineup here at KDVS to talk about the year to come because some really cool things are going to happen out in space. This program was produced by Edward McMillan and you have been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week.